Private equity is a historically male-dominated industry. A study from the British Private Equity and Venture Capital Association and Level 20 found that, although women now make up 38% of the private equity and venture capital workforce, they still only hold 15% of all senior roles. So how does one break into private equity? What are the challenges and how does one overcome them? In this episode, we'll talk to two women of influence in private equity who are paving the way for future generations of women in finance. I'm Mina Tumai, and this is Spotlight. Perhaps because women aren't often encouraged to follow a career in finance, they find their way into private equity through differing paths. Karen Raz, Senior Responsible Investment Manager at APG Asset Management, came into the field after graduating from law school in New York. She joined Apollo Global Management to help kickstart its ESG program, and a position that was only meant to last one year ended up becoming a permanent role. Raz says she's faced challenges in the industry, both due to her gender and professional background. You know, it's been so interesting to reflect on that uh, in the past 12 plus years, both as a female and as an ESG professional, because I'd actually say that the biggest challenge I've faced has roots both in my gender and my ESG lens. And it's been navigating immense pressure to conform in private equity in the male-dominated industry, and actually not just private equity and finance in general. And that pressure to conform really has felt like an impossible task. Raz also reflects on how being a woman altered the way she felt she was perceived professionally. For example, like many women, I've been simultaneously criticized for being too aggressive and yet not aggressive enough. I've received feedback without further elaboration that I lack gravitas. And then in addition to feeling different, much of the time as a woman, not knowing quite how to navigate you know, these impossible expectations, I had a different viewpoint, an ESG viewpoint um, that wasn't well understood 10 plus years ago. And there were times where with the pressure to conform and this different viewpoint, it felt like a struggle to have that viewpoint heard and understood and accepted. Entering the private equity world from a completely different background, we're also joined by Melis Kahiakar, Managing Director and Head of Consumer for EMEA at General Atlantic. So I'm originally Turkish, and I moved to the U.S. for university, and then I studied electrical engineering at Econ. Uh, my initial plan and desire was to go into academics and engineering. But, you know, when I was in actually college, beginning of my you know, college years, 9-11 happened, and the engineering jobs, the internships were very limited to international students, particularly for the undergrads. So as a result, I was trying to think through, you know, things that excited me, things where I could use my quantitative skills. And one of my very close friends, she was a year ahead of me, she said, you know, why don't you try investment banking? You know, you don't know anything about finance, but it's very quantitative. It's all about problem solving. Feel like you would enjoy it. So that's how I actually came into finance. So that, that's the chance part. Kahi Akar also reflects on the challenges that come with being a part of an underrepresented group in the private equity industry and how she wants to be a part of the solution. The interesting thing for me is even in undergrad, because I did electrical engineering, I was the only female electrical engineering my year <laughs> in college. And getting into finance, I knew that that was going to be the case as well. You know, I picked my career path where I want to be based on what I was passionate about. And yes, of course, there are challenges. There's always challenges when you're part of a group that's underrepresented, you know, be it unconscious bias, be it finding role models that, you know, look like you, that have a similar experience to you, you know, connecting with people who have a very different personality style, you know, passion. Having said that, there's also a lot of opportunity, I, I feel, you know, as a female 
partner in the firm, I have a portfolio that's very much backing, you know, great businesses, but within my portfolio, the leadership, you know, I backed is very diverse as well. Out of the six investments I've done in Europe since I moved to London, nearly half of them were woman-led. So I do feel like, yes, it's challenging and it's the reality of, you know, the financial world, but I also feel like I would love to be part of the solution and help people come across those challenges, reduce the challenges over time, and really push the industry to be very inclusive and representative of the general population. I also feel like, you know, because I followed my passion, I also picked, I think, teams of people who were like-minded, where I also saw a lot of, I think, cultural acceptance around and push towards diversity. Women in finance thrive and develop by supporting one another. Raz explains that building a community and network of supporters has helped her immensely in her career. Yeah, so what I did is I looked for and took advantage of opportunities to speak as an authority, whether it was in a presentation with senior firm leadership, on a webinar with portfolio companies, or at a conference. And really importantly, I built a network of sponsors and mentors, including strong women and allies of strong women. For example, there was a small group starting up at the time for female sustainability professionals. I went to the first meeting and there were just 12 of us. And it became an invaluable source of support and advice and actually now has a membership numbering in the hundreds, maybe even thousands. It's called the Women Investing for a Sustainable Economy or WISE. And then within the firm, you know, I made sure to reach out and have conversations um, and establish connections with strong allies of women and strong women at the firm to continue to advance my career and navigate those tricky expectations that were being put on me as a woman. When I did feel like I'd hit a ceiling in terms of how I could advance, I started to look for new roles and new opportunities where I could grow and rise further. Kahia Akar, as well as seconding the importance of having a network of mentors, speaks of the importance of asking for things, backing oneself and not holding back. Sure, look, it's, it's very personality dependent, of course. It's everyone's style. You know, one thing I will say is mentorship helped me a lot, both within finding great mentors and sponsors within the teams and firms you work at, also finding those external mentorships. I think that's been very additive. I will also say that I would be much more vigilant about networking from early on in my career. Clearly, it's a people business. At senior levels, you network more and more, but wish I had started that much earlier in my career, even when I was an entry-level analyst at investment banking, entry-level associate, wish I did much more outreach in early days in my career. You know, the last thing I'll also advise is, as a female engineer who was more introverted, I was more hesitant to ask for stuff, ask for help, ask for feedback, ask for a promotion maybe. So from that perspective, I feel like for other females who are entering into the industry, don't be afraid to ask. Efforts to make private equity more inclusive are underway. However, the industry still has a long way to go to beat gender discrimination and celebrate equality. Raz says biases must be acknowledged. One, there needs to be more open and honest conversations and work around bias, or we won't see full progress on diversity. So what do I mean by that? Well, first, there's societal barriers to gender inclusivity. Evidence shows that women continue to shoulder a disproportionate workload at home. 
So things firms can do when enacting parental leave policies is to keep this in mind. And it should be expected and encouraged that both parents take their leave. Otherwise, that cycle is going to continue in society. Moreover, policies should be designed to help address this societal challenge. Policies and resources for childcare, including flexible work from home, emergency childcare support are really meaningful. And we're seeing leading firms pick up on these. Secondly, it's really important for firms to examine how unconscious biases are baked into existing processes and systems. There's really insightful data emerging to guide firms and policymaking in this area. For example, how can firms de-bias promotion processes? A recent article in the Harvard Business Review highlighted how women are more likely to take on non-promotable tasks. When establishing policies and review processes, firms should either factor work on these tasks positively into promotion decisions or find more equitable solutions to their assignments. And that's just one example that I'm seeing. But the key point to make is that what we really need to start seeing is that harder work on these structural and unconscious biases to really achieve the vision that we all have for inclusivity in the industry. Kahiaka agrees that solid steps need to be taken towards inclusivity and that this approach needs to be at the very core of company culture. We still have a lot of room to grow, but even from you know the days I started, the industry has progressed quite a bit. But again, a lot of room to grow too. I think there are actionable steps that the industry players can take for that growth of diversity and inclusion. At GA, we are very active around this topic. It needs to, first of all, come from leadership as well. It, it shouldn't be tick the box communication marketing element. It needs to be part of the DNA of the culture of a firm. And that's how I feel we are at GA. We have an idea council that's focused on diversity and inclusion. And I don't mean it just for purely gender perspective, but across various elements of diversity. We have very specific goals short-term, mid-term, long-term, that we are always measuring ourselves, tracking ourselves towards to make sure that we're constantly improving on the work that we're doing. I think we definitely start at the top of the funnel, which is the recruiting. We've actually gotten really good on the entry-level recruiting where we're fairly well-balanced on the gender side, 50-50, across pretty much all our regions. And we're doing a big push into also... I think the retention and the nurture of the diversity within the firm, because I think that's probably the area within the industry that needs more focus. Many companies have diverse recruitment efforts, outreach and mentorship programs, as well as internships designed to give people from underprivileged backgrounds a chance to break into the industry. However, Raz suggests private equity needs even more fundamental change. I think a more structural top-down shift is needed. And I do want to emphasize the importance of top-down. Policy set at the top and culture is heavily influenced at the top. You know, looking back, the lean-in culture, I believe, has put too much of a burden on women to conform in order to succeed when the odds are stacked against them. The time has really come for firms and senior leadership to lead the change because it's in their power to do so and the benefits of diversity And the talent they are losing as a result of the persisting biases affect the firm and its future as well. Firms where I've seen really promising progress are those firms where senior leadership has been educating themselves and taking action, meaningful action, to address unconscious biases. Kahiakar adds that there needs to be more focus on career development rather than just recruitment. I don't think it's 
just about recruiting and getting the talent in. I mean, at GA and as well as an industry, I think we've done a pretty good job around, you know, getting to a fairly well-balanced mix at the entry level. I think where we need to do more push is on the career development once people get into the industry, making sure that they are well-supported, they have the tools, they have the sponsors, they feel comfortable within the culture, within the firms they're at. People understand the unconscious biases, you know, people are cognizant about that. People understand that, you know, there are maybe gender differences, style differences, and it's not just one certain style that works to get to the leadership within a firm. So I do think that it's not just about recruiting. It's not just about forming partnerships at the entry level, but it's also, you know, making sure that that talent is supported once they get into the system or with, within a firm. That again was Melis Kahia Akar of General Atlantic and Karen Raz of AGM. Definitely check out the rest of the Women of Influence podcast series, as well as the magazine itself. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts or at any of PI Media's various titles online. I'm Mina Tumai. Thanks for listening.